Let's bow our heads for prayer. God in heaven, we come before you to again ask you to, to guide us, to speak to us. Pray that your word would reveal to us what your will is for our lives. Pray that you use Brother Mel this morning to proclaim your word, give him wisdom, give him a clear mind to think, to speak. And we want to thank you for what you have for us. We want to be attentive and take what we learn and apply it to our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning and greetings in Jesus' name. Good to see you, everyone here. Special welcome to our visitors. Good to see so many here. This morning's message comes from the Old Testament. Um, as I, as I came across this, I was blessed in many ways when I realized that many of us may find ourselves in a similar situation. Our Eyes Are On You is the title of the message, and it comes directly from a quote in 2 Chronicles 20. So I invite your attention to that. We'll read the text. I was especially blessed with Lauren's message last Sunday. Strength through joy was the title. And you remember toward the end of the message, he emphasized the importance of having a heavenly focus and delighting in the word of God. So I might just call this a divinely inspired sequel to last Sunday's message. Because by then I had pretty well zeroed in on where I was going and the text and everything. And we'll see how that brought a great blessing and protection to Israel during, during the reign of Jehoshaphat. Um, let's read 2 Chronicles 20, verses 1 through 25. It's a rather long reading, but I think I need to do that to get the entire story in the context. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 1. It came to pass after this also that the children of Moab, the children of Ammon, and, and with them other beside the Ammonites, came against Jehoshaphat to battle. <clears throat> then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side Syria. And behold, they be in Hazatana, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim the fast throughout all Judah. Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven, and rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heaven, of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? Art not thou our God, who did drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gave us to the seed of Abraham, thy friend, forever? And they dwelt therein, and hath built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If, when evil cometh upon us, as a sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house, and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then wilt thou hear and help. <clears throat> and now, behold, the children of Ammon and Moab 
and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned them, turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say, how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us, neither know we what to do, but our, our eyes are upon thee. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benani, the son of Jeel, the son of Manani, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, Hearken ye all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz. Ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still. See the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his, bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites and the children of Kohathites and the children of the Korites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. And they rose early in the morning, went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa, and as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed, he appointed singers unto the Lord, and that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army, and to say, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. And when he began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, utterly to slay and destroy them, and when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped to destroy another. And when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, he looked into the multitude, and behold, they were dead bodies fallen to the earth, and none escaped. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, they found among them in abundance both riches with the dead bodies and precious jewels, which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. And they were three days gathering of the spoil, it was so much. So that's the end of, of the reading, and it goes on. But just a bit of a uh, context here. We see that King Jehoshaphat is faced with a, a huge army that was way beyond him. Apparently the crowd was <clears throat> way beyond the size of his army. And uh, he immediately, well, you see right there, verse 3, he was scared. It says that Jehoshaphat feared, but... It says, in the, right in the same sentence, and he set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim the fast. Now, Jehoshaphat did not always respond that way in, in, in the face of danger. There was a time when he did form an alliance with neighboring countries instead of calling on God and was judged for that. So maybe, hopefully, he 
learned his lesson from that, that, from that time. So here's Jehoshaphat faced with a, a crisis, way over his head, way beyond his means. And apparently the threat was real because he was scared. You know, in our, in our world today, we have a lot of creature comforts, as my HVAC contractor friend calls them. And some of the things that he sells and sells, that little thing on the wall there on each side is one of them. It keeps us cool in the summer and helps keep us warm in the winter. But you know, in, in our world today, there are a lot of elements in our society that make me rather uneasy even beyond things like that that can ease the, the uneasiness. Some of the things that are going on in our world are a bit disturbing. You know, we see, especially the last couple of years, what's been happening in the world of medicine. Um, you know, and then there's changes in our financial institutions, banking institutions, not to mention our political world. Things are going on that are a bit unsettling, a bit disturbing if that's as far as you can see. And I guess I can sort of put myself in Jehoshaphat's shoes. And some of these things are out of, out of our hands, out of our control. There's just nothing that we can do to change things, to make things better, to improve things in any way. And so I want this to be an encouragement to us, certainly, we see Jehoshaphat did what he could. Um, and and I, we're, we're going to look at that and look at that a little more closely to see exactly how God responded to that. And, um, but the first thing I want to notice is when Judah came to seek the Lord, and this was called by their king Jehoshaphat, who proclaimed a fast and had a public prayer meeting, if you will. We have this huge army coming, and it sounds like they were maybe a day or two away. doesn't tell us, but it sounds like they're getting close. They didn't have a lot of time. So Jehoshaphat sought the Lord and proclaimed a fast. And it says all the people came, even their wives and their little ones and their children. And I had to think of the verse in James 1, just recently we studied in Sunday school, James 1, 5, where James is challenging us, if you lack wisdom, ask God, and he will give it to you generously, literally. I think Jehoshaphat found himself in this place. He needed wisdom. He needed direction. The threat was real, and it was way beyond his means to deal with it. He lacked wisdom and asked God who gave it to him liberally. And I'd like to, again, encourage all of us in a situation that's way beyond you, over your head, beyond your means, ask God for wisdom. He may surprise you and give you the wisdom. Judah came to seek the Lord. As we go on to the next couple of verses, especially pay attention to verses 6 through 9. Notice Jehoshaphat's appeal to God. He appealed to God's promises, his character, and his name. And he starts right there in verse 6 with a whole list of questions. Now, these are all rhetorical questions with an obvious answer. 
It's, there's an obvious answer there. You know, he, he, he appeals to God's, as I said, his promises. That, that early to, uh, well, first of all, his sovereignty. You know, notice especially, and I was especially, that caught my attention. And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? He's asking, don't you rule over the heathen? Yes, absolutely. We believe that God puts in leadership whom he will. In spite of verboding results, God chooses leaders whom he will, even in our heathen countries. Yes, absolutely. That's, that's right, he does. Um, and then he also... Um, Ask about, aren't you the God who rules over all kingdoms? Certainly. Didn't you drive out the inhabitants from the land and give it to Abraham forever? Yes, we remember reading about that. Uh, especially in the end of, uh, well, Joshua, the book of Joshua gives a lot of that. Um, through Abraham, of course, uh, or Moses rather, had passed on, and then Joshua was there, the next one, and conquering the land, and God, in many cases, Drove out the inhabitants. Various ways drove them out, chased them out. <coughs> they lived in this land and built a sanctuary for your name. Here he is appealing to God's name. These were God's people. God's name was in this house, in this temple. And this land that these foreign countries were wanting to take from them. And you promise that if we stand before this house and call your name, then you will hear and help. And I couldn't help but remember back to 2 Chronicles 7.14. There's a, there's a verse there that came to, well, God came to Solomon after his dedication of the temple. And I'm going to start reading in verse 12 of 2 Chronicles 7. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. Maybe this is what Jehoshaphat was referring to. 13, if I shut up heaven that there be no rain, if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence upon my people. And look verse 14. Repeat it with me. Verse 14, if my people, help me out, which are called by my name shall humble themselves, pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Now mine eyes shall open, shall be open, and my ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. Very likely Jehoshaphat had that incident in mind. <clears throat> and he was appealing to God's promise, his character, and his name. And then he also goes on there in, in verse, uh, verse 10. Behold the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade. Remember that account? I'm going to turn briefly to the account in Deuteronomy when Moses is telling the younger generation about that very thing. They were going to the land and on their way and they needed to pass through these lands and the people 
said, no, you can't pass through our land. Never mind, they promised to buy everything they used and not go through their fields and trash their crops. They wouldn't let them. They said, we'll just stay on the main highways. They said, no, you can't go through. So anyway, say they had to go a long way out around, but God had instructed them. Deuteronomy 2, verse 4, and command that the people... Command thou the people, saying, Ye are to pass through the coast of your brethren, the children of Esau, which dwell in Seir, and they shall be afraid of, your, of you. Take ye good heed to yourselves, therefore meddle not with them, for I will not give you of their land, no, not so much as a foot breadth, because I have given Mount Seir unto Esau for a possession. God had allotted that land to them. They were not allowed to invade them, to destroy it. On down to verse 6. Ye shall buy meat of them for money that ye may eat. Ye shall also buy water of them for money that ye may drink. For the Lord thy God give hath blessed thee in all thy works of thy hand. He knoweth thy walking through this great wilderness. These forty years the Lord thy God hath been with thee. Thou hast lacked nothing. And now when you pass from our brethren the children of Esau, which dwelt in Seir through the way of the plain, and from Edinburgh, ye turned away and passed the wilderness of Moab. And uh, so, verse 9, And the Lord said, Distress not the Moabites, neither contend with them in battle, for I will not give thee their land for a possession, because I have given all unto the children of Lot for a possession. So this is what he's referring to. They were only wanting to pass through, and they were not allowed to invade them. And it seems like Jehoshaphat is reminding God, Now look, if you would have left us deal with these people back then, we wouldn't have this problem now. I think maybe that's what he was saying. Never, ne nevertheless, here he is facing these same people that God said don't touch them some years ago. But then he moves on and, 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 and coming to the end of, of his little, of his little uh, questions to God, O Lord God, wilt thou not judge them? Talked about this morning, that this morning in a Sunday school, allowing God to avenge those who wrong us. This is this is Joshua's plea. For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our our eyes are upon thee. You know, I was so blessed with that. Um, I didn't get the numbers. I don't know what the size of the army was, what the odds were. I, I didn't. I couldn't find that. But apparently it was way over them, way beyond their means, way beyond their manpower. If several countries come together and attack one country, then very likely, yes, it might very well be a three-to-one ratio. I don't know. But it, was not even, it wasn't even considered. It wasn't even an option. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And then, moving on to verse 14, I like the way God honored a humble servant. Here comes this man, Jehaziel. I never heard of him before or since. Do we know who he is? I, I, don't, I don't know who he is. Never heard of him before or since, except his, his, his great, great, great grandfather, however many greats it is to Asaph. Asaph was one of the 
wrote a lot of the Psalms. So he did have a godly heritage apparently. But here comes this Jehaziel with a word from the Spirit of the Lord. And it seemed like he was just a random person. I don't think he was a leader. God spoke through maybe a lay person and gives this encouraging message. And notice, it looks like it was an immediate answer. No waiting, well, doesn't look like they had a lot of time, but God honored this humble king with an immediate answer from another person. And he gives some very specific details, geographical points, if you will. And the first thing he says is verse 15, be not afraid, nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude. Be not afraid. You know, fear paralyzes and renders us useless and ineffective. Fear. There was an interesting uh, experience that a friend of mine related some time ago when he was in service up in the North Country. And he had some random meeting with a witch doctor. And at the time, didn't even know that this was a witch doctor. And was not acting in a way that people do to a witch doctor. These people have a pretty firm hold on their community because their power is real. They really are. And uh, finally, this witch doctor told this brother, you know who I am. You know, I, I forget exactly how he said it, but I'm saying I, I'm a witch doctor and I have power to pronounce a curse on you because this brother wouldn't comply to whatever this witch doctor wanted. And uh, so all of a sudden, this, this brother was a bit shaken by that. And I forget all the details, but in a short while, he did end up going home. And after he got home, his wife was pretty frazzled at the end of herself. Something happened to their son that correlated exactly with the time that these, these two were interacting and talking. And all of a sudden, this brother was a bit scared, a bit concerned. So he called, he called an older brother and asked him, he said, will I be okay? And his older brother told him, don't give in to fear. Don't cave to fear. You have the power, use it. And so we can see that Yes, there certainly, there certainly are a times when fear certainly does paralyze and makes us totally useless and ineffective. And I'm sure we can all see the last couple of years how powerful fear does. It causes people to do some things you would never do otherwise. Fear. Fear not. That's the first thing that this that the Holy Spirit revealed to this man, fear not and don't be scared of the multitude. God is not 
intimidated by multitudes. God is not intimidated by a three-to-one ratio, whatever it was. Never mind the size of this army. This is God's battle, not yours. And I certainly need that reminder. Because I, we all face trials and crises that are way over our heads, beyond our means. Recognize God's battle and allow him to work through it. We see God gave some very specific and detailed instructions as to where they were go, where they were to go at a certain time and what would happen, what they could expect to see. And stand still and watch God fight for you. That's the message here. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. And again, O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. He said that twice. For tomorrow, go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Such an encouragement to, to me. And of course, that's exactly what happened. But notice especially some things that Jehoshaphat did. Here he was, a king. He appointed singers to praise the Lord and go before the army. Whoever heard the likes? Verse 21. Notice verse 22. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments. The Lord did it. I was so thrilled with that when I realized that. And guess what? When Jehoshaphat's army came to the scene, they were too late. It was all over. It was done. Except for the gathering of the spoil. Now you may say, yeah, but this is God's people. He had special, uh, special uh, places. They had special places. Hard. That was God's people. That was back then. We are also God's people. And we serve the same God today. We too can appeal to his character, his promises, and his name and claim those promises. In fact, in many ways, I think we have a bit of an advantage over them. The Holy Spirit came through speak to one person, forgot his name already, Jehaziel. Spoke to one person. The Holy Spirit indwells each of us all the time. I think we have a bit of a huge advantage over those people in that day. Jesus called this spirit the spirit of truth. When has there ever been a need for truth, a desire for truth, a hunger for truth? Jesus also said, everyone that heareth the truth heareth my voice. This is in John 19. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12, speaking of the Holy Spirit indwelling us. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. And then verse 13 which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. 
Think of the Holy Ghost as being your teacher, your instructor, your guide, your leader. Another advantage we may have is the inspired word to give us direction, along with a brotherhood, each other. Certainly they had as well, but we have the written inspired word of God along with the Holy Spirit indwelling in us. And I was, I guess I'm thinking, yes, yeah, certainly God is not limited by multitudes. He's not intimidated by multitudes. He doesn't really live by numbers and majorities and so forth. And he does work through his people to accomplish his will. I guess that's, that's another um, thing I want to emphasize. As we give ourselves to the Lord, claim the Holy Spirit's power living in our lives and seek his will, certainly we too can be victorious in our lives, but only as our eyes are on you. God bless you as you go from here. May this be a blessing and encouragement to you. Let's stand for a dismissal prayer, and then I'll ask Ken to lead us in a closing song after the prayer. Shall we stand? Lord God in heaven, we thank you for your greatness. Thank you for your power and your might. You have displayed it in many ways. We think of this account in King Jehoshaphat's reign, Father, yes, you have called these people to serve you, and they were facing a real threat beyond their means, beyond their ability, but you have delivered them. We thank you, too, for your faithfulness to us. The promises still remain. Your character and your name is still the same, still sacred and holy. And we thank you for that. And so we pray your Continued direction on our lives as we go about our lives day to day. May you give us a renewed sense of, of the, the uh, power and the victory that is ours through you. Thank you that the Holy Spirit does dwell within us. We have your word. We have each other. We have so much for we thank you so much for that. And so we pray that you would help us to continue to go on. May we continually draw from your resource of wisdom and may we continue to keep our eyes and our focus on you as we go from here. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen.